0: Welcome to the Rockman Podcast, Oli. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. No worries. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, as I'm also, I'm very well. Um, I was just uh, asking you about where you're sitting today. So you're, you are actually in your garden
1: shed? Well, it's, yeah, technically a little outbuilding on the side of the garage. So uh, the perfect place to spend all of the lockdown and homeschool and everything else. So um, freezing in the winter and boiling in the summer but I've got a little wood burner going, so it makes me feel like I'm a proper adventurer. Well. Hell yeah, I can see the axes in the back. It's like your, your, your own little, I, I little just, cabin. I, I just put those there because I knew that you are going to be filming this. <laughs> oh, oh, so you, you've you set the scene behind you. You've got a bit of a clear this, up. This is basically what all my work colleagues and every, everything have seen for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Do they refer to it as your man cave? Is that what it is? Uh, and along those, well, yeah, shared man cave, 40 down bit. It, 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 Occasionally, there'll be a bike in the background as well, or, or like, garden, forks, spades, the rest of it. Or a this, child. What's that map in the background? That's not Cardiff, is it? No, that's not Cardiff, actually. So I'm um, I'm a chartered surveyor and I work for a, a housing association developing social housing, basically. So building and developing social housing. And that is my patch, which is Torbine. Cardiff's over there, Newport's right. over there, and Torbine's up here. And... Uh, yeah, I, I've only been doing it since the start of the first lockdown so um, I thought I'd get a big map so I can see everywhere but I also love planning my next adventure and during, during the lockdowns getting to go to visit various sites and then go well actually hang on there's a lake over there or there's a hill I haven't run up over there um, that was my way of planning it. I was going to say, surely it's, it's to do with some sort of challenge or something, but well, no, actually, it, it's for building houses. <laughs> you can't see it in front. I don't really look at that one, technically, but in front of me here is is this Snowdonia map. So um, nice. I did all the route planning for various bits and bobs I've done in the past. Oh, hell yeah. I, I love a bit of Snowdonia action. It's
0: good up there. Um, but thank you for coming onto the Rockman podcast. Before we dive into this and tell everyone who you are. Uh, I just got a few public service announcements that I have to do at the start uh, to introduce people. So for those who don't know, Rockman is a mental resilience focused running movement for those with a deep desire to test their limits, forge unbreakable resilience and actually improve well-being. So we provide the information, the tools, the apparel, the challenges, the support to inspire action to overcome the most intimidating challenges possible in running, fitness and life. So the aim of the podcast today is to offer up some insight and information on pushing our limits Um, and with our conversation with Ollie here, uh, hopefully inspiring others to go out and uh, and push their own limits in order for them to improve their own resilience, fitness, health and well-being. One last bit. If you'd like to be notified of new podcasts, be sure to hit the subscribe button or follow our social media accounts. And if you take some value from this podcast, Please be sure to give us the thumbs up or leave us a review. There's no money put behind these podcasts. They're totally free. So we rely on the likes, shares, comments, reviews and subscribes to grow the audience. So any interaction is greatly appreciated. Done. Um, I'm Terry. I am the founder of Rockman. I've never done that. In previous podcasts, I've always forgotten to actually introduce who I am. Oh, good. (laughs) This is going to be the first and best. So it's the first one where people actually know who I am. But now they know who I am. Ollie,
1: who is Ollie Smith in one minute or less? Well, you did you you did preempt me uh, by by telling me you were going to ask me this earlier. And obviously <laughs> me, being Ollie Smith, I did absolutely zero preparation whatsoever. Well you so, should ace this. Yeah, well, but, but potentially it'll be very off the cuff. So I'll just do the simple one, which is, hi I'm Ollie, I'm 38. I live in Cardiff with my family, which is Mac, who's 10. Gwen, who is eight, and my wife, Catherine. Uh, I'm from Devon originally, uh, and I'm a chartered surveyor with a local uh, housing association where I build social housing, basically affordable housing. Um, in terms of who am I, I like to, well, when I've got free time, what little free time I have, I like to spend it outdoors, and that is basically me in a nutshell. Well, I think that's, I mean, we obviously met um, supporting um,
0: Reese's. Yeah. Uh, Wales Coast Path um, record attempt. Um, but then since then, since following you on social media, I've I've been fascinated with watching your life because you say oh, what little free time you have. It looks from following you on social media, you have all the free time in the world, and you live your you live your life running up mountains, going surfing, um, what the other st- jumping in your barrel. You're full of cold yeah. water.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know that's probably. Uh, there's, a, there's probably a good point about social media is you're now getting to see the other side of it which is the majority of my life is, or certainly for the last two years has been spent sat here staring at this screen um, yeah however well yeah I that would drive anybody crazy so any five minutes I get I'll either be in a barrel or up a mountain basically yeah well I've, yeah. Al- I've always wondered I was like well how does he fund this lifestyle <laughs> so you are a chartered surveyor. you do have a full-time job I, I have a full-time job exactly that yeah and I, I also do pretty much exceedingly cheap adventures as well um uh, either as part of a family holiday or exceedingly local so there might be 20 quids worth of fuel everything else is on my back or uh, yeah in my pockets that's like, well that that's a real adventure though right yeah i yeah, think I'll, money
0: money can actually ruin
1: adventures yeah well exactly i i i, I don't know why but i prefer doing stuff poorly organized by myself than I've been putting my faith and money into to other people one yeah. I can justify it and two because you you learn along the way and um it does it makes it much more of an adventure but for
0: those thinking oh that's lovely he's got a lovely outdoorsy life you are also I would say an accomplished sort of athlete ultra runner right would, would you agree for, with
1: that uh, I I would say I have run ultras um and I enjoy running ultras, but i definitely say I'm a novice in that, in that world. Um, uh, so I haven't been doing it for very long. I've run quite a few and quite a few different ones off my own back as well. Um, but I, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm very much at the, the start of that, that journey rather well, than being an accomplished runner. Let me
0: tell the listeners, I think you're being very modest because you, you, you have your own fastest known time, FKT, yeah. right? That, that, that's not something a beginner would have, I don't feel. Potentially potentially not, but uh, well, well, I guess we'll probably delve into that later. We'll delve onto that. But also, you just got back. Was it this year you just ran one of the hardest races in the world, the Dragon's Back, um, from north to south Wales, across the whole um, spine of the mountains, right? Is I it... did. I did, and we'll, we'll dive into that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, that's not beginner's
1: uh, stuff. You don't just start it's... there, right? Well, yeah, I... I... You could, no, you don't, but I'm someone who doesn't tend to think to, if I think about something, I won't do it. So with all of the, with the various ultra runs and things that I've done, it's, I think the first one I did was maybe in 2017, which was um, around the Gower 50 miler, uh, because a, a mate said, do you fancy doing it? And, and I went, yeah, and the, fir- the first I'd run before that was 19, 19 miles on a De Glamorgan jolly, which nearly killed me as well. <laughs> And the 50 miler was where it sort of tweaked. Actually, if you go, if you don't race it, if you run and enjoy it and chat to people, you you can get around. You can get around. And then due to the way that I'm wired, I don't think things through. I then thought, OK, I can go and do a 100 miler. OK, I can then go and do whatever I want. And that's not necessarily the case because I haven't always got to the end of all these things that I've done. Um, and they have been in no way easy, the 100 milers probably the best and worst thing i've ever done in my in my life have you ever, did, have you ever completed a 100 miles oh yeah yeah so i completed it it just took a bloody long time and i yeah I, I think it was a surprise to everyone that i both finished it and was still alive at the end of it how so, long did it take 36 hours jesus 36 christ hours. <laughs> and actually another, uh, another key point is um uh ultra running can be expensive as well which you touched on uh so entering races so mm. So I've basically only ever entered races and events or done stuff close to home. So I've only ever run in Wales. Um, So all the events I've done have basically been from my doorstep. The 100 miler started four miles away, up and through the Brecon Beacons and and finished four miles away. It just took 12 hours longer than I thought it would. That's crazy. I mean, um, I've done
0: a a couple of challenges. And I think the the longest one I've done was uh, 12 hours um non-stop and and that was enough. I don't know how you managed to drag your ass
1: around for 36. Do you know I've got it, it was three years ago now and I'm now I've I now if before I enter an event I train properly and um say so for the last year or so or for the last yeah year I've had a I've had a run coach an online run coach who's an experienced ultra athlete himself Marcus Scotney um and I've followed that program religiously and it's done wonders for me before i just went running and didn't stop was the the kind of the thing and i'd I'd head up to the brecon beacons every now and then for a a training run or i'd go for a local run around here but it it, yeah none of it was conducive to ever being able to run an ultra i picked up on something you said then. you said you
0: did the 100 miler three years ago yeah but you, but you started running ultras in
1: 2017 so yeah. you went from starting running ultras to running 100 mile oh, I exactly. exactly so i did 19 mile in 2017 50 mile in 2017 100 mile in 2018 <laughs> and then on well kind of onwards and upwards in 2019 and 2020 yeah and as i say we will dive into those we will go um, get into the
0: races a bit more detail but i was wondering like what did you do before the ultras then we
1: did you ever were you a sportsman or were you always a runner what's it so, what were you doing before No, I, I never really a runner but I was a, a, a rugby <coughs> um basically from the age of five till early 30 I probably retired properly when I was about 32 uh so five or six years ago um so I'd always done team sports and as a result of that you're running around lots and you're keeping base fitness but I was never a a runner and I never really thought of myself as a runner or being able to um once I finished playing rugby uh, a mate of katrin's actually he's a he was a local fell runner lived nearby and just got me got me out to a couple of seven milers up the local hills which were absolutely terrible I've never done anything quite quite as horrendous as trying to sprint up a hill and then trying to come back down but I figured out that actually going uphill in comparison to the other folk Generally speaking, I was all right. Coming downhill, I was horrendous. I'm tall and lanky, and I'm uncoordinated. So uh, running fast and downhill are two of my two of the nightmare things. And then I think I've always I've always done outdoor activities as kind of my uh, um, sort of my happy place, my free time. Rugby was that for for a while. I used to, I always used to surf as well, uh, but kids come along surfing you're dependent on the conditions you can't just nip up to the mountains when you've got kids because you've got kids so you've got responsibilities and then running kind of flipped something in me where i realized right actually i can i can seven o'clock i can go and do a fell race up in Penturk, i can run up the garth i'll be back down by eight i'll be back home by course past eight and i've basically run up a mountain and they wouldn't even know when you were gone. Yeah, no, exactly that. Yeah. And also early, very early mornings is the other way of doing it as well, which, yeah. uh, um, and then, yeah, it just led on from there. Okay. all of the, I, I, I used to go and do a few hiking trips and overnighters in the mountains with, uh, with, with schoolmates. Um, and I realised that by running, I could basically do 10 times as far as I did on a weekend hike in a morning um, and be back by the time I've got to take the kids to football. And then um, that's basically become it. And then the, the more I could squeeze in, the more I wanted to squeeze in. So I had to try and train and run a bit further. But, I, was, uh, yeah. I was gonna pick your brains actually, cause I've, I'm now a father
0: of two. Um, and I think that transition of becoming a father and then, and then having the second, it, it, it's, it's really hard to find time um, to do stuff. Well, I say it's really hard. It actually made me more productive it, it made me better at finding time to do it. There was no, no longer was I wasting time because I knew how pressure, precious it was. I had to get out there. But how, how do you do it? How do you find time? Because I think everyone's got busy lives, right? Everyone's got full-time jobs. Um, everyone's got family commitments. Um, how do you find
1: this time? Where are you looking to slot in these runs, trainings and races? Basically, all of it before everyone else wakes up is is my simple answer it's mm. not necessarily the best way to do it and and i guess i am a morning person but i don't feel like it when i wake up <laughs> I, and because I, I i thought about this having listened to to um your, your podcasts and how do i get up and do it i've i realized that even when i was probably 18 19 so 20 years ago i would wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning i lived down in devon then and go for a surf, drive for an hour on the off chart. You didn't have the forecasting equipment that you have now. So you drive thinking that hopefully there'd be a wave and nine times out of 10, it'd be flat or windy or whatever. And uh, you wouldn't get your surfing, but I never ever regretted any single one of them. Cause I'd always go for a swim or a dip and have a splash and see mates and going early in the morning was before the crowds came out. So you weren't fighting for waves and mm. all of that. And I think that, just made me kind of twig early mornings is the the place to do it but also i I, no one ever i like i i'm i put pressure on myself to make sure that i'm around for the family but i probably i'm 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 going to be a a knackered tired dad most of the time because i do everything before everyone's up Um, yeah so yes i am yeah i make myself available for the family as much as i can but it's yeah it's not easy i think it's important it, it, it's important to have family time
0: definitely um you don't want to be one of those that's always co- working on you and not your family you've got to have the balance but then it is also so important that you have your own time and you get to do something yourself and i have realized that now having kids it's it's even more important i think you can get so consumed by what's going on around you with the responsibilities of other people that you forget yourself and i think um that that stress, which it is, or the, or the not being able to release any stress because you're constantly working on other stuff, that can build. And it's so important to allocate that time. You've almost made it non-negotiable, like going
1: yeah. out and doing these... Right. Running... The, the best thing is no one can complain. If you do it in the dark, no one can complain. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. That's not to say that Katrin ever complains if I do it <laughs> um, whatsoever, but I just made a rod for my own back by, by doing that. But then I like it. I, I get the hills to myself and I've got a few, a few fake that I've, I've encouraged to come and join me, uh, which always amuses me. It makes me uh, exceedingly happy to think that I'm dragging other people out of bed really early in the morning. Yeah, Excuse well, me. you, <laughs> cause I'm always inviting come... me out for a, yeah, exactly. a season, what? You're coming right? out next week. You're so coming out next week.
0: 21st, I've put, I put it in the diary. So it's, it's happening. And again, like, like it's funny because the only time I can do this is when everyone else is in bed. Yeah. So it would be perfect before, like before. I don't know. I guess it's like a,
1: a six a.m. thing. We'll do you do Yeah. 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 Definitely. You, well, you don't. You. You never. I'd never ever ever regret waking up super early to go and do something. Yeah. I, I, and I and I think I've done it so much now that I'll my alarm will go off and some I'll, rarely I'll, my alarm will go off and I'll go sod it. I'm not. I'm not getting up. Yeah. But majority of the time I go if I don't get up. I suppose it's probably i put pressure on myself if i don't get up i know that later on in the day i'll feel crap for not having taken the opportunity while i had it and those opportunities and it's probably a wider life lesson as well those opportunities i might not be able to do it at 10 o'clock or lunchtime i might not be able to squeeze it in or in the evenings of driving the kids or whatever the place and then come 8 p.m i don't i don't want to go out I don't want to go and do a three-hour run at eight p.m. <laughs> no, who does? Like... I, don't, I don't want to do one at five a.m. either, to be honest. But no, at least then it's done. But you're quite right. That is your like. That's your prime
0: opportunity. I've I've done it all the time. When you go, all right, I'll put it off to the afternoon. Then something crops up. Life gets in the way. You put it off to the evening. Some, you know, one of the kids is sick. You can't do it. And then I beat myself up if I don't get that little time, that little run around the block or something like that. It, it's terrible. Exactly. No. You, um, you inspired me, Ollie. I oh, don't is- know if you've spoken to Tori, your friend. I, I, did you buy it? I bought a barrel. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that, is awesome. that is absolutely awesome. Yes. Yeah, oh, so I, I be- I've been watching your Instagrams and you've got this cold, this beer, huge big cask beer barrel in your garden, yeah. right? Yeah. And you filled it full of cold water. And you go- do you go in it daily? What do you do? Uh,
1: well, no, at the moment I don't go in it daily. That's primarily because I'm so shit at DIY it's got a hole in it um so for the summer there was no point in using it because I couldn't get it cold enough uh and, and we're down in the rivers and the sea a lot of the time then anyway so in the winter is the only time that you can or I can really get it cold uh and due to the fact that I left it half empty over the summer it's got a tiny bit of rot in it that is on a seam and I can't for the life of me fix it so basically I need to line it I just need to dig the paddling pool out and chuck that in it and then we're then yeah, we're good to go. So I've used it a couple of times this winter, but mm. it's, it's cold showers and mountain streams for me at the moment. So wh- why did you do it? What, what are you getting from that? Um, so I started doing it. When did I start doing it? Probably no, October, November last year. Um, and I've, al- I've I've always I've always jumped in cold water when the opportunities arisen or. Very gingerly stepped into it and then shrieked and got back out pretty sharpish. Um, but with when I started running more and doing more trail running and doing more ultramarathons, uh, I really found the benefits of sitting in cold water. So my as as my body changed and my muscles grew and things like that, my knees, my joints started aching. And in terms of physical therapy it was unreal like really really good and people do ice baths and it's it's fairly well known that it's it's good for improving blood flow to various to various places and and helping in, in, improve recovery times uh, and then I got sucked into the Wim Hof stuff as well I don't know if you've read anything about Wim Hof um, uh, I I know of him yeah but I uh... Do you want to like explain sort of what, what, what the Wim Hof Basically, is? Wim, Wim Hof is a, an evangelical cold water sufferer. So he's been doing it his, his whole life. He's, he's got various breathing techniques and methods that go hand in hand with cold water endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've done a few experiments on him which potentially, arguably, show that there's, there's massive physical benefits um as well as um uh, sort of topical mental benefits as well uh so in reading his in reading a few bits of his his um few of his articles and a few of his books I got massively into it and thought this is going to change my life um and to a certain I wouldn't say it changed my life but the more you get in cold water and the more you endure it the more you crave it as well so it is it's addictive I, well i liken it the the, the absolute example the, the simple way to explain it five minutes in a freezing cold barrel or a barrel of sub 10 degree water ideally like five six degrees is the same endorphins as going and running your fastest half marathon uh but you've got none of the pain you've got you've got well it's five minutes in a barrel you get out and you're whooping you might feel like you're about to die but i, I liken it to your body is basically thought what the hell is going on I'm i'm about to die and I've got out of the cold water, and no, I'm not dying. So let's release all of these endorphins and go. This is absolutely amazing. So that's probably the, the short-term answer is it gives you massive endorphin high, and it's also got um, long-term physical benefits as well. And it's cheaper than drugs, then I guess. Cheaper than drugs. Yes. Well, I started. I started in a in a one of those builders buckets. Um, uh, so there's red builders buckets. Obviously, I can't fit into one of those, and I can't really. I can't really remember why I started sitting one of them rather than getting something proper i think it was I, I i didn't have the ability to get anything bigger it was during the lockdowns um so i, I just sit in the garden with my ass and feet in a builder's bucket <laughs> in, with the snow around me i don't know what the neighbors thought and i don't know what they think now to be honest now i've got a hulking, yeah. a hulking great barrel but you'll you'll have one soon as well when are you getting it i've got it you've got it have you filled it have you been in it <laughs> Right, so it's so bloody massive. Okay. It's two
0: inches bigger than my, the frame of my gate for my yeah. garden. Yeah. So I'm trying to organise at the moment a couple of the boys to come around and help me lift it over the back fence because it's it's not massively heavy. I think yeah. it's about hundred keys. So you you know once you've got two or three bodies on that, that's you can lift that. That's fine. Yeah. But
1: oh, it's just it so big. Yeah. Oh, they're they're horrendous. You should make it into one of your challenges. Yeah,
0: sure. I'll get the whole uh, Rockman Team Rockman down there. They can chuck oh. it in for the back. The annoying thing is I've recently um, fitted a brand new fence in my garden. So if I bought it a month earlier,
1: I could have just whipped it around the side because there was nothing there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell you about the perils of trying to get it into your garden. Yeah. Well, say. yeah. Did, how did you get yours in? Well, we've got, uh, so I've got a, a, a double garage and it's got, the doors are just wide enough to get into the back garden from the back of that so the pedestrian doors um although there's a massive step to get up onto it and then there's a massive step back down and the barrel was sealed and half filled well probably about a third filled with grotty old wine water um, <laughs> Still so in I basically i basically just stood in my garage for about 20 minutes staring at it going how the fuck am i going to get this out of here i can't roll it through because rolling it's too big it's too it, it's too long i've got to go end over end um so then i just got a load of cushions and had the biggest crossfit workout in the world and managed to get it through and then once it was in the back garden it's just roll it it's you fine. did it on your own yeah oh yeah. well there we are you've you put, laid the gaunter down yeah exactly i've laid the gaunter <laughs> I, I only had to lift it over a foot step i didn't have to lift it over a six foot fence so yeah uh, yeah i'm really looking forward to it because. Uh, as I'm getting older now
0: I think my, like you were saying my knees they're starting to like throb you know yeah. you can really feel it and I really want it for the uh, the inflammation sort of parts of it I want to I want to bring everything down but I, I, didn't I hear part of Wim, Wim's Hoff methods hasn't he said that the breathing techniques that he promotes
1: you can actually boost your immune system is that right it is, although I'm not entirely certain of the science behind those. Uh, yeah. well, I, I wouldn't want to uh, go and be amb- evangelical about it on a on a yeah. podcast. But although I, what I was, what I will say, so I tried his breathing technique when I first started, which was probably about a year or so ago. Um, and it takes it takes forever, and I don't have the patience for it. But I did it once, and that was in the proper bath in the house. Um, and it was uh, it was as I was letting the water out of the bath, and it was cold it was November the window was open so lying in an empty bath isn't going to be isn't going to be very warm I did this breathing technique and I felt absolutely fine I didn't get cold I didn't my body basically air dried in a cold bathroom in November and I was fine like no shivers no nothing but then I never did it again so uh, I, I can't really wax lyrical what do your wife and kids think of all this do they think you're nuts um <laughs> oh they're used they're, to it. they're used to it yeah i'd say <laughs> I another part of, well so the kids want to get in the barrel when it's when it's there they went in it in the summer or the in the springtime um and shrieked and and want to do it and what i love is they they don't they don't copy me but they want to do a few of the bits and blobs that i want to do so they want to come up to the mountains with me um at, at, like gwen on her eighth birthday a few weeks ago she wanted to she wanted me to take her up to penavan um, and take her for a walk in the snow up there in the store i can't remember which store it was storm arwen uh and she would she wouldn't take no for an answer so her birthday morning just me and her went up there and she led the way because she had been up there with school as well and she absolutely loved it and that's that's a, a massive boost but yes they do think i'm a big weirdo yeah yeah but what, what, were there um heavy winds when you're up there oh yeah horrendous her- horrendous yeah. we didn't go all the way, we didn't go up Pennavan. we went on the fan side and uh um, away from the crowds and and probably only went up a couple hundred foot but it's and, I, and obviously I use the opportunity to go and jump into a stream as well um, yeah well yeah, obviously um, they've got one down she there. wanted to come in as well and I was like well it's an eight-year-old it's probably not the best idea up in the mountains to get in a stream next to the snow in a school. <laughs> uh, you'll have social to, services knocking on your exactly, door <laughs> exactly at least I'm in control of getting myself warm getting an eight-year-old warm isn't yeah Funny story, Um,
0: I went up Penavan last year in the snow and the hail, and there was a bit of a storm then. I think the amber weather warning, really high winds, and the bloody, the trousers, the waterproof trousers I had on, they were, they were the ones that you sort of, you can scrunch up into a little bag. Yeah. yeah. So one of the pockets, oh, no, that, that's right, one of the pockets was just open, because they're over-the-top waterproof trousers, so you can put your hand into your actual trousers, but I didn't have actual trousers Perhaps, on yeah. underneath. And the bloody wind kept going into the hole and blowing my trousers down by down my ankles, like it was uh, quite quite embarrassing. But um, and cold as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah very cold. I uh, <laughs> very cold. It was um, certainly freezing. Little parts of me, that's for sure. Um, I want to talk about some of your challenges. Yeah. So, talk to me about the Cardiff Ultra because I'll let you into a secret, Ollie. I when I'm looking at challenges myself, I looked on the FKT website and I saw, right, what's the closest one to me? And it was Cardiff. And I was like, 50 miler. I was like, I I fancy a bash at that. Let's see who's got it. Ollie Bloody Smith.
1: Yeah, good luck. Good luck with good good luck with beating it. It's a terribly slow time, but it's just the most horrendous route in the world. Is Um, it well, yeah, I heard that I think I spoke to Reese about it and he was saying that it's this like brambles. Um, it's, All this—it's well. This, this so I pretty much since well for the last ten years or so uh, on an annual basis. I, w- I would have done some fundraising for um uh, for, for various different charities. More recently, uh, it's been through through running that I've 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 managed to do that. So dressing up as a banana for Cardiff Half a couple of years ago and doing various various things like that. um the 50 mile I did around the Gower I was doing a litter pick as well um, which was a bad idea um, but uh, uh, and that was that was for charity and with Covid and lockdown this was going to be the first year that there were no events on um, so I, and I like having something to train for it gives me a bit of motivation there's a, a target to go for at the end and I really I, it got to about August time I'd done various online challenges like running every other day or seeing how far you could get in a in a in a week and just various odds and sods and but I didn't like the fact that there was nothing that could galvanize anyone to sponsor me so the previous year I'd tried to do the dragon's back I'd failed it um however that galvanized loads of people to to sponsor me um and I was like well there's basically nothing you can do in lockdown you're not allowed to travel anywhere you can't do anything And then it it, it was the end of the summer. They locked they locked Cardiff down. You couldn't leave the Cardiff you couldn't leave the Cardiff border, um, which annoyed me because I'd just got in the habit of going back out to the mountains to go to go running, Uh, and you could travel a bit further, and we could go down to the beach. And I'm not very good when people tell me you can't you can't do something. So I was like, right, okay, I'll I'll listen. I'll listen to it. I'm gonna I'll, I'll abide by it. It's the right thing to do. However, I need a challenge and I want to galvanize people. I like raising, well, one of the charities close to my heart is Big Moose down in, Car- in, um, in Cardiff. I don't know if you know Big Moose. Homeless stuff. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of mental health and, uh, and homeless stuff and um, run by uh, father and daughter who are both really inspirational and have done incredible stuff themselves. Um, so I was like, right, I want to raise money for these guys. I need to do something that's going to get people's imagination going, plus... I want to challenge, I need a challenge. There's nothing I can do. There's no ultras you can go and run. I can only run in Cardiff. I don't want to run up and down my garden for 30 miles. Or yeah. Actually, yeah. I did a 5K in my back garden. That was horrendous. 30, yeah, same. <laughs> Actually, I saw yours as well. It's like an hour. No, it was, it was the worst thing. <clears throat> worst thing in the world. Absolute worst thing in the world. So yeah. I wanted to do something where I, the reason I like running ultras, like I said earlier, is so I can see stuff. I can go and have that sense of adventure. And I got my maps out. Actually, down here somewhere or other, I plotted what is the Cardiff Unitary Authority border, um, and I went right. Well, I'm going to run that, uh, and I've throughout the various lockdowns, I've run all over Cardiff, um, mainly North Cardiff, but I know the area pretty well. But this fifth, well, 25 miles or 50 miles, I didn't know at all, and there were footpaths on the on the map. You could pretty much stitch together that kept you on the Cardiff side of the Cardiff-Newport boundary um however I couldn't go and recce the route because you weren't allowed to drive anywhere or you weren't allowed to drive anywhere for um social or leisure reason reasons uh, so I was like right I'm just gonna have to chance it and I set the date for 1st of November um four o'clock in the morning I could uh, the start line is about three miles away from my house but up a up a hill and obviously I couldn't have anyone drive me there because I had to abide by the rules so I had to Run to the start line with all my kit on my back. Um, Raging November storm. Get up onto the ridgeline. First six miles or so. six I knew like the back of my hand because I've been running it for ages. Uh, Then it dives off to go onto the M4 and do various bits and bobs. And it was horrendous. It was old tracks that probably haven't been used for 20 years through farms. Um, So getting chased by dogs into wood, well into brambles, into bogs. Um, uh, chased by chased by bulls like jumping over fences to get away from bulls into an industrial estate and and then getting afraid of the security guards and having to run through a golf course you're not able to get just everything horrendous so I started I think it was four maybe it was five o'clock start time four o'clock I left my house to get there by nine o'clock in the morning I'd, I'd only done probably 15 16 miles of it and Legs shredded to absolute bits by brambles and knackered from full body workout from climbing over everything. Got to the coast path, um, which is then open and free. And I started enjoying myself as I actually the sun's coming out now, the the clouds are going, um, there was a bit of a headwind, but this is I've got the sea the sea on my left, the hills on my right, this is this is lovely. And didn't really think it through on the map, the footpath follows all the way through. I knew I had to duck in around Rover Way, um, but the footpath basically follows all the way through. So I, I keep on going. The tide's coming in, um, but there's a, a little tidal part of the footpath. I'm like, I've got another two hours uh, here, so I, I should be fine. And I'm, like, I'm basically running on the water on floating debris, so grass and stuff like that. My feet weren't going through, but it was, it was getting pretty close. And there was a big, massive new fence, uh, all the horrible three-prong spikes on the top, so seven foot high. So you, um, mean, you ain't hopping that. No, nah, well, no, I wasn't hopping that. Um, <laughs> but I carried on going because I could skirt it and there was enough of a path that I wasn't going to have to swim and swimming was not an option. It, that, that, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. And I got around the corner, so probably about 200 metres away <laughs> from the, the Cardiff main dump, so industrial area, nothing particularly going on path runs out the route back the tides come in so it's I, I could do it and it'd be relatively safe but i'm then going back about backtracking about a mile and a half two miles with water there it's going to take me the best part of an hour or i can try and scale this fence and i was like i'm gonna to have to i'm gonna to have to be the fence because i'm not going back it's just gonna i've got to do this challenge i'm gonna do this challenge if i go back it's gonna add It's just gonna add too much time and too much energy. So I need to go over it. It probably took me about 20 minutes to climb this fence. And I I filmed it, obviously. I spent about 15 minutes of that 20 minutes was me setting up my GoPro to film it. (laughs) Um, I got over it, uh, just, I snagged my shorts just on the top. But I I can remember just thinking, this is the worst idea in the world. This is why you're not gonna do this Fastest Known Time, because." I'm not uh, attempting it. No, you've you've well, attempted it <laughs> as well. It's just a it's just a a very bad idea. i remember thinking if I fall here, it's not a, this isn't a good place to get a, a spike up your groin. So yeah. um, Anyway, jump down. Um, endorphins then hit because I've made it over probably the biggest turtle that I'm going to get to, and I'm then stuck in a basically a a lane with that fence on one side and the equivalent fence on the other side. And then there's a new solar farm that they built there. That's not shown on the map. So that's why the new fencing has gone up, obviously all the public rights away. Great. Fantastic. Um, So I'm stuck in this um, sort of cattle run, Um, run around the corner and then it's just absolute flood. So knee deep, complete (laughs) utter flood, no end in sight. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not climbing back over that. I'm not climbing over that one, so I'm just going to have to wade through this. And what? Well, it's probably half a mile in total. So from climbing over the fence to getting onto the onto the road, and it must have taken me forty-five minutes an hour. And I was like, God, I've still got the best part of thirty miles to go. I'm not even at Cardiff Bay, and this is <laughs> this is a proper. Yeah. Adventure. I was like, this is what I signed up for um you documenting it like will you put it on instagram you well no so um, this is classic classic me all that footage is still on my gopro uh, i will one day there's probably about 10 minutes worth of relative gold that i will one day put put together in it but it covers everything from the starting at 4am in a storm to climbing the fence and wading through basically it's just 10 minutes of me swearing at a camera
0: yeah <laughs> you, you, all the donations would have flown up if you got that uh, out well so, no, yes, i was doing
1: it i was doing it i was doing it on instagram stories at the time um however i couldn't balance my phone the phone and gopro weren't logged log together oh. and uh, yeah i wasn't balancing my phone on that fence while i was trying to trying to climb over it was a it was a bit of a nightmare and then the rest of it was all sorts of exciting trespass and barbed wire fences and getting lost in various bits on the edge of the Vale of Glamorgan and and um people coming and saying, no, oh you don't want to run through that because the farmer likes coming out with a shotgun. Obviously no, no everyone was exceedingly friendly. No farmers came out with any shotguns or anything. But yeah. then in my head I'm like, right, if I get into this field, I can see it's about 150 meters on the other side. I'm gonna to have to peg it to get to to get to the other side of it and jump over that fence or whatever it is. And, and it was that constantly. How long did it take? Was it 12
0: hours? Yeah 12 hours. 12 hours. And what were you like when you got home to the wife? You're like, don't
1: don't speak to me. No, I, <laughs> it, to... I, you weren't allowed. It was at the time when you weren't allowed to run with people as well. So I hadn't organized any support runners or anything like that because you couldn't do it. But obviously quite a few people knew from uh, social media that I was doing it. And a few people came out to join me, um, which massive surprise and a, a massive boost as well. Uh, albeit, I think I... Two, two of my old rugby mates came to join me and within about 30 seconds of seeing them just on the roads around um, Cardiff Bay, I'd tripped and just fallen in a puddle on a, just just on a road. I was like, great. So now I've got cut, cut knees, cut hands, and this, this is not trail running. This is running through an industrial estate. Um, yeah. So, uh, But yeah, so for the last, 25 miles or so I had people running with me which is really nice so different people came and went or people came on bikes or driving past on uh driving past in cars and beeping horns and stuff so uh by the end of it I physically I was pretty broken but I think it was just more that I couldn't relax the whole time you couldn't get into flow because around each corner was another horrendous challenge so you couldn't just mindfully zone out for five miles and all of a sudden you've chopped a load off It's yeah. it's it's not it wasn't an ultra run it was a i don't even know, I, like, I don't know but either way it qualified for a fastest known time so i'm i'm happy <laughs> about that i think i think it's quite safe as well i think i but don't think
0: anyone's going to be going after that
1: the time the time someone will be able to beat it but yeah you're going to need to you're going to need to speak to a few landowners before you before you do well i like the thought of someone at home probably like myself going oh I, i'll i'll have a go at that not having a clue what they're letting themselves in for. I, I didn't set off with the thought that I was gonna get a fastest known time at the end of it. Um, and I, c- I can't remember who it was that mentioned it to me afterwards. And they said like, this is, this is running the Cardiff border in a lockdown um, to abide by COVID rules. It's like the most apt thing to be doing at the moment, but it's an incredible challenge. So you should see what you can, see what you can do. And I sent them an email and they're like, yeah, definitely. I mean yeah yeah it's got to be well it's got to be achievable which is debatably true but it's it's on the website now so that's me fkt talk to me about the dragon's back race so you said you've attempted that twice well you completed Uh, it now right well no so no technically I've failed it twice so um uh however so well 20 uh must have been 2019 was the first time I attempted it so 2018 I did the 100 miler um, at which absolutely killed me for some reason I then thought I could do well actually no I didn't I didn't think anything then I watched a documentary on the dragon's back I'd never heard of it before and I was like wow that's the sort of thing one day I'd love to do but I could never do it it's just so beyond me it's it's ridiculous I, I can't do it and then I saw someone um, selling a, a late ticket uh, I think it was February 2019 race was in May um, and I was like, well, I, I wanted to go to Snowdonia and maybe try it in the Welsh 3000s or something like that. And the Dragon's Back, day one, is the Welsh 3000s in, in, in 12 hours. Um, whereas normally the Welsh 3000s challenge is in 24 hours anyway. And I was like, well, I may as well just enter this and see how we get to one. <laughs> um, well. uh, a, a really stupid idea and not a safe thing to do. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I'd run far and I, I, I could run. But it's, it, I've never felt so out of place on a start line. Well, actually, I did it at the hundred, the hundred mileer I did. But this, does, it's, they say um, you've this, got to be naive, naive enough to start and too stubborn to stop. Yeah, so basically that. And I, oh, I'd, I, I don't like saying no to things. I like saying yes to things. That's probably if there was going to be a mantra, it'd be, well, it's just fear of missing out, isn't it? I like saying yes to things. And mm. um, it was one of my good mates, Stag Do's, the weekend before, in Magaluf. Um, so an awful place to go for a stag do and you didn't go did you i did i did go <laughs> i went on the proviso that i was only i was going to take it easy on the friday night and i was going to come home on the uh, well i was going to come home on the saturday night basically which is what i did to a certain extent but taking it easy on the friday night you always get too excited so yeah. i had one night off before the the dragon's back but it meant that like the the flight was delayed so i wasn't flying until supposed to be flying until 10 p.m Landed at eventually in Bristol at three o'clock in the morning. Sorry, I've got things coming through. I will. Turn that's that, alright. That's alright. I will turn that off. Um, uh, so landed at three o'clock in the morning. Then um, had to get the bus back from Bristol to Cardiff. Uh, and then my parents were coming to pick me up to drive me to Snowdonia to start the race. And they were coming to pick me up at half past eight or something on the Sunday morning. And I'd packed most of my stuff. Um, Uh, and everything was pretty much ready to go however I had about two hours sleep and then I had to get up sort my kit out and then panicked and thought I'm not going to fit all of my compulsory kit in my ultra vest even though I would have done but I because I I wasn't in the right frame of mind I thought no I won't I'll take my 33 litre rucksack that I carried around the 100 miler because that did me that did me well for that and then I can take my luxury items as well whilst i'm running around I chuck a couple of avocados in there and and have a picnic whilst i'm whilst yeah, yeah gotta have a couple of avocados and, you? Hour, and then i'm standing on the start line and i'm looking around and i'm like what the what the fuck am i looking at? Like? i'm wearing a pair of boardies I've got, a, <laughs> uh, I've got a cap on i've got my t-shirt on i know that i'm and i've done a few shorter events leading up to it And i, was like, I know i'm fit enough to do one of these days um and then all I've got to do is wake up and do it again and again and again and again and again. Um, so all I thought about is I'm just focused on day one. I'll do day one. I did day one. It was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done, but I actually did it relatively well. Probably pushed it too hard. Uh, and then day two came around. Um, and not, Well, it's 3,500. Well, both days are 3,500 metres of climbing. Uh, self-supported, so everything on your back. Sorry, 3000 meters. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. So, um uh and but yeah, <coughs> the the routes up the mountains on day one and day two you're not following the the standard routes it's proper scrambling and climbing and going up and down scree and just sliding down on your bum and and going through the the bracket just everything that's bad about the mountains you're doing all of it whilst trying to beat the time. And day two, I got to the end of the day. Um, I thought I wasn't going to, I didn't think I was ever, ever going to make it. Uh, And I beat the cutoff, which was something like 10pm, having started at 6am in the morning. I beat the cutoff by about five minutes um, with another lady who I was running with. And she basically got me through the last few miles by saying, look, if we run, we can make it. So we ran and we made it. You get into camp in the dark. um, Someone comes to give you your sleeping bag bag. And then they show you where your tent is, and then you're left to it to try and find some food and and go to bed and sort your stuff out before you leave at six o'clock the next morning. Anyway, I I got to the got to the tent, um, and uh, the person who dropped the bag off, I was like, oh, actually, i have just taken my pack off, and um, my t-shirt is like stuck to me. You, I don't, I don't know what it is, and and I'm all over the shop by this stage, I, and. Um, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. Put, put your arms up. This is obviously pre-COVID, so people can come and help you do stuff. Yeah. Went to rip it, like pull my T-shirt up. And he was like, oh, oh, no, you need to you need to go to the medical tent. Um, And I was like, oh, oh God. And all I wanted to do was try and ram some food in my mouth, put my pyjamas on, blow up my roll mat, sort out all my stuff, eventually get into bed and go to sleep. Um, and I went to medical tent. And basically, because I had this 33-litre rucksack and you're sliding down gritty slopes, all the and it's sweaty all the grit had gone up under my t-shirt and then just over the course of 12 hours and probably the day before worn away the entirety of my lower back um Uh. so the top layer of skin completely i hadn't noticed i think i'd maybe had like a slight inkling that something was going on at some point but i hadn't really felt it um and then the cold of the night it all basically my t-shirt was a was a scab Um, so it took them a, about an hour. So they sent me away once because they're like, "Look, go and get some food. We've got a queue at the moment. Come back." um So come back before midnight. I got there at five to midnight, and they're like, "No, no, we're all shut now." They'd had a change of guard, and I was like, "Look, you 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 sent me away to go and get some food, and you've told me to come back." Like, and they they took pity on me because they saw I was basically about to burst into tears, uh, and they're like, "Right, what's wrong?" And then they took them out. So one o'clock in the morning, they'd hot sponged my back and soaked everything off and then picked all the bits out and then they addressed it and then they said the magic words to me which were at this stage because I was such in such a broken state they said uh, you'll have to come back first thing tomorrow morning for us to assess whether or not you can go on because we don't know if you can go on um, which then it was like a switch had gone off in my head that like, I could relax that like, I'm I can like uh, there's just a, a kind of a get out of jail for me because uh, yeah. I, I was struggling so much so i woke up four o'clock the next morning three hours sleep go to uh stumble into the the, the tent and say oh you need to have a look at my back so she took off all of the uh, all of the dressings then redressed it and then slapped me on the bum and said off you go then and i was like oh i think you're supposed to, <laughs> test it, test it to see whether or not i can go on and she was like well what are you here for and i was like to run the dragons back and she was like well go on then off you go bit of tough love and I was like okay so I then had to go and put my rucksack back on couldn't carry it on my back anymore so I had to carry it on my front um set off a uh, probably a, an hour or so later than I then than would have been ideal probably an hour and a half later than would have been ideal and then missed all of the all of the cutoffs. I still tried to uh I, I didn't give up um which I'm quite proud of myself for so I wanted to keep going because i knew like, my legs would still work i could still i just couldn't move them fast enough um and by this stage you're on day three and there's just people lying all over the place you're on your own most of the time but you'll just come across someone slumped somewhere and if you don't finish at the midday or the uh, uh the middle of the day checkpoint bag drop point you basically got to find your own way home or wait for them to come and pick you up in there in their own time unless it's an emergency um so there's people trying to phone taxis and you're in the middle of Snowdonia on like a tiny well in the mountains so there's mm. nothing to come there was a, a belgium chap i ran past who was waiting for a train on like the Snowdonia mountain railway and i was like it doesn't even open for it has been sat there for like an hour and a half <laughs> but it doesn't even open until june so you've got another three weeks mate um yeah. <laughs> and then he eventually he eventually joined me uh we timed out i did half days for the rest of the week um uh so no i didn't complete it in 2019 2021 once you kind of got the bug under your skin you you want to you want to do it again Mm. and this time I wanted to do it properly and this time they've made it a day longer and it finished in Cardiff as well rather than before so it was 30 or so miles further um a few thousand meters of climbing further and six days instead of five and it's the world's toughest ultramarathon Or it's the world's toughest mountain ultra um and actually it was jeff from big moose who said to me why don't you get yourself a running coach and i and 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 i've always thought "No, i'll just do stuff by myself and and it was one of the first times i went actually you know you need a team around you you need people to help guide you i don't know what the hell i'm doing um so i followed this training plan absolutely religiously for the last 12 months which you've probably seen on socials so i'd make sure that i could get to football and rugby training on the sunday having done my starting at 4 a.m four hour long run so that i'm back home by 8 a.m to go and do it and i did i didn't miss i don't know how many runs it was but it was well towards the end probably nine nine or so runs a week and i did i did everything it's the first time i've done everything the majority of it at low pace so zone two heart rate and take it easy with Hill sprints once a week and, and and intervals once a week as well, and I felt super fit. I'd tested all of my kit to to absolute death, having learnt my lessons two years before. Um, I was a, in terms of physical fitness completely and utterly a different person to what I was in 2019, um, and probably in terms of well, in terms of preparation, I would like absolutely through the roof. Uh, but anyway, it was September of this year that it started, coinciding with a with a heat wave. Um, so day one, which I did in uh, maybe ten hours in twenty nineteen with the ROM kit and and super fit. Oh, uh, sorry, not fit, no training, awful. This time round, it was thirty degrees in the mountains, um, and it basically blew me apart. So the first the first half of it, I was fine. The second half of it, I got to, to Trivan, which is probably a half-hour climb. It took me two and a half hours to get to the top. I had full body cramps. Oh, wow. Like I've never experienced anything like it. Like, I was surprising myself that I could still move, but there's so many people in a worse state and condition. I think there were 360-odd people that started it uh, on, the, on that day one, and I think it was something like 150 people dropped out on the day one. Wow. Uh, anyway, I managed to get, I, eventually, I, well, the, the top three seeds were all out on day one, uh, one of whom was airlifted off, uh, off Snowden while I was on Kripkoch, because um, he'd had a um, atrial fibrillation, so basically massive heat stroke, and his heart had gone haywire, and um, yeah, he was airlifted straight to hospital, uh, not, not good whatsoever. It's, it's, no, it's no joke running in that sort of it, thing at all. Well, I, I, I've done it in training as well. I'd, I'd, And I didn't run out of water. I didn't run out of anything on like this, but I couldn't, I, it, it was heat stroke. I couldn't take on board any of the gels, any of the food that I had with me. Um, I couldn't sip water. I, basically, I couldn't do anything. Um, And I bumped into a good mate of mine on the top of Snowden. He was in the same state. He's Australian and uh, used to this heat but he was he was broken as well we managed to get each other to the end of to the end of the day um so made it with about about 20 minutes to spare so about, about two hours <laughs> and i had done it two years previously and I, I was I couldn't believe it couldn't believe it but found our tent sorted our stuff out got into bed no way am I quitting I'm not I'm going to get up tomorrow morning I'm going that's that's fine today super hot it's just a blip that must be why I was so slow. Um, woke up the next morning, legs and absolute bits. The the cramp still there, but I got up on time. Off I go. I'm keeping good time. Uh, they actually put on an extra water stop. Uh, there's normally no water stops whatsoever, and it's you're just filling up in streams but because the weather was so extreme. They put on uh, put on an additional water stop. Uh, I I got there well before. Uh, probably had about three hours before before the cutoff going relatively smoothly but once again it's another three and a half thousand meter day you get up onto the tops and it's just featureless moorlandy up down horrendous terrain you can't get any uh, well and, and actually zero shade whatsoever no trees grow up there there's no there's yeah. the odd rock that you'd find people who'd just tried to just lying <laughs> down on the side of a mountain because there's a tiny bit of shade for <laughs> um uh, and i so I had, I think I had something like two hours to make it three or four k to the cutoff, and I I couldn't do it, couldn't do it. So I kept on going. I was being sick. I couldn't take water down. I couldn't eat anything again, same as day before. I could move, but I just could not move quickly enough. I, I like, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't cool down. I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand how my I was like I'm fit enough to do this. I cannot, I can't understand. How I can't, how I can't get there, um and that day I think, well, that that day I think another hundred or so people dropped off. So from the three hundred and sixty people that started, by that stage there were only about one hundred and fifty people left in the race uh, on day two of a six-day race. They've never seen attrition like it. Um, one of the one of my mates who I trained with, um, a bloke called Dan, who lives in the Vale of uh, and he's a proper athlete. So was was looking at a top 10 placing um superb athlete dropped out the same same point as me so uh, he made he made it through the checkpoint and was like no my feet are in bits I'm gonna if I carry on going the chances are I'm not coming back from this and it's not it's it's not worth it um there's people going to hospital left right and center this isn't this isn't the time to to be silly um so anyway timed out by about half an hour so it took me the best part of three hours to do 4k uh which is ridiculous yeah and that was the end of my world because once again I'm raising money for charity but the, the previous time I tried my absolute hardest and I wasn't prepared enough and it was the equipment that probably saw well gave me a way out and and um and and broke me this time I had I'd given myself no excuses so I'd train my nuts off to get there I was fit enough to do it in my head and I couldn't I just could not move so I was I was devastated when I got to that I knew I was out already before I got there um but I was absolutely devastated I didn't know I didn't know what to do and you think your whole world's it's a race it's not the end of the world but you think your whole world's over and all I could think about was trying to get home to the family um afterwards but somewhere i don't know where we were somewhere in the mid north wales uh near Dolgellau. it's a 10-hour trip for Catherine to come and pick me up or it's like a 24-hour trip by public transport to try and get back and um dan and i got back to our got back to our tents probably about 6 p.m i couldn't eat dinner but I, I couldn't get my heart rate down i was worried about the fact that i still couldn't i could drink water by the stage couldn't do anything there I uh, couldn't do anything else and I couldn't get any food in. And Dan said, look, let's don't make a rash decision tonight. Don't go home tonight, sleep on it. We'll have breakfast in the morning and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Um, so I went to bed, c- couldn't sleep Like out of the sleeping bag, just absolutely body on fire. So completely and utterly broken, woke up. Um, so I've obviously been in bed for probably six hours heart rate still nearly at 100 whereas my resting heart rate's 40 45 normally and i was like oh god this isn't uh, this is just this is just awful uh however we got to breakfast and dan was like right i spent the night checking my phone to see what the best public transport route is to get home i want to go home (coughs) i was like well hold on you said to me last night that we had to think about it over breakfast so now you've lodged a little chink in my head let's 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 talk about it. So we basically both persuaded each other to stay on. Uh, you get the opportunity to do half days afterwards, uh, which so it goes down from running an ultra marathon a day to running twenty or so miles and running three thousand meters a day to running fifteen hundred meters. So it's still a pretty decent, a pretty decent effort. But I, at this stage, I was like, I can't, I, I don't know if I can do it. But that that day's afternoon session was was only fifteen miles and about a thousand meters or so of climbing. So a lot less than, than we've previously been doing. And you, there's a, a whole heap of people that um, come along basically as not fun runners, but to just do those half days and experience it all. Weird and wonderful, amazing athletes as well. Some of them or people that have got injured during the course of day one or day two will be doing the half days. Uh, so you go and start with them. Had a chance to try and take on some food at, at, at lunchtime before they set you off. And uh, I set off. With there were maybe 20, 25 of us doing the, the the half day, Dan like a like a bat out of hell up the first mountain, he'd he'd realised he wasn't dying anymore. And he, <laughs> yeah. he could do it. His feet were the worst things I've ever seen in my life, but he he could he was off. I was like, I can't even run. I can't even run. I can't jog. All I can do is is walk. And I was like, we'll carry on. I'll walk. I joined a a couple of chaps who um one of them had never run an ultra marathon before, but had <laughs> come along for the for the um, for the joy. A, a scouse lad, really lovely bloke, and the other bloke, Colin, had run all sorts of ultras in his life, so two hundred and fifty miles, everything, and had always basically been one of the last people to finish, but just had the most ridiculous grit and resilience to to get there. So it'll take him six days to do an ultra, but he'll get it done, and he won't sleep. Uh, anyway i couldn't keep up with these two guys um eventually i caught them up about two or three miles away from the two or three miles away from the camp uh where there was a lake and in my head all i wanted to do was get in that lake my whole being was centered around i still couldn't bring my body temperature down so i persuaded these two lads to come in the lake with me as well um we went and had a like stripped of all our stuff uh bits hanging off all of us like colin's back was just like a mess of various bits of sport tape and blisters and all sorts got in the water and I, and I was like oh my god this this is this is what I've needed for the last two days is cold water uh, still had to hobble the last couple of miles in down the hill into camp but that night I could eat um, so I'd had basically 24 hours of well more than that probably 36 hours of not being able to eat and that night I ate about four portions of pasta and chips and and everything and there's eight of you to attend. uh by that stage um seven of us have dropped out um and and an American called Lewis who absolutely embraces everything good about trail running so weird wonderful lives in the mountains in Utah drinks smokes super suntanned hair like a lion super friendly like tall skinny but just an incredible athlete he got in it about five minutes before the cutoff on that Wednesday night um I said to, I said oh he was in a, a horrible state he said I'm out I'm out I'm not waking up tomorrow morning I am out I can't do this uh next morning I poked him and I was like Lewis don't stay in bed if you're gonna if you're gonna quit quit while you're on the course and he was like oh fuck it and I was like okay I'm, I'm doing a half day today I'll come and run the morning session with you because I'm still broken uh, and basically, long story short, I ended up running the whole day with him on that Thursday. And he was in such a horrendous state um, that his pace was so enough that I could refuel and enjoy myself. And it took my mind of everything. I was singing at him. I was doing everything I could to get him through it. We both got through that day. The Thursday I woke up. I was like, actually, you know, what? I'm going to take on another full day. It's 45 miles through the entirety of the Brecon Beacons from west to east. Um, another 3000 odd foot. Day out, but the sun's gone in, it's raining. This is my territory, I feel quite good. Um, and then managed to come in the top. Well, there's only about 100 people left by that stage, to be fair, but I came in the, the top 40 for that day. Uh, and then there's uh, yeah, there's only one day left then, so um, there was no chance I wasn't going to do the, the final day, which was from Brecon Beacons back down to Cardiff, so 42 miles a cruisy two thousand meters of climbing um and you could enjoy it there's those people out on the trails and everything and I was basically running myself back to fitness and by the time I finished I I got a a, um a top segment for me for running through Butte Park in Cardiff to the castle to finish and it was a bit of a sickly sweet feeling because I got to the end and I but I'd missed 20 miles in the middle on that on that middle day which had killed me but the, I still did, instead of 235, I did 205 miles. Uh, and I did 15,000 metres of climbing instead of 17,000 metres of climbing. Um, but the fact that I finished stronger than I started just blew my mind. Because I was like, if if, there was nothing I could have done differently. It was just luck of the draw, basically. Yeah. It sounds to me like that. It's the weather that really took it out of you.
0: It's like you did all that training. You're, it sounds like you're in your peak physique, I, physical
1: condition, and it's the, the heat that just sapped it from you. Yeah. Well, it's the weird thing for other people, they could get through it for no rhyme nor reason either. And some people were diving into lakes that they were passing on day one and day two. I didn't, it didn't, the thought didn't even cross my mind of doing that because I was just so focused on trying to get to the end. And it's yeah. I, I it suppose something like that might have brought my body temperature down. Uh, it yeah. might have made no difference whatsoever. But it's yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of anything quite horrific,
0: to be honest. But like, I know what it feels like when you're like that, when the heat just saps all the energy. Because as soon as you start even getting a trot on, you, yeah, your heart rate's just hitting the top of yeah. the rev counter straight away. It's like you can't do anything, it's, and to grind it out
1: until. You healed yourself. It's must have taken some doing. Well, it it on reflection, it doesn't feel like it did at the time. Well, on on the Monday going up Chilean, I literally thought there was something catastrophically wrong with my body. I couldn't understand why I couldn't move. So, like my legs were like robots, but my stomach, I couldn't, I couldn't even move my arms properly, and obviously heart rate through the roof. And then wandering around in a heat stroke days on day two, I was just like, this I, I can't fathom how I can't do this. Like it, it messes with your mind and it messes with everything. But staying there was the best thing I could ever have done. Had I had I managed to get out of it on day two and come home, I don't think I, I don't think I'd be in a very good place now because oh no you, you managed to get some sort of redemption from this, I think. but well, I had four days to kind of run run through my demons and, and channel it all through, which there's probably a heap load of messages on there about yeah, about ultra running and trail well, running you, and mindfulness. Do you know what it's um you're quite right there. Is that
0: it's you You did you beat you in a way. The mountains are the mountains, but it's the reason why people do these ultras and these mad uh, challenges is it's not necessarily the race, it's where it, it takes them you know mentally and physically that I think that's the journey that everyone goes on and I haven't heard a story quite like
1: that like that that sounded horrific um so you really did go through the ringer well the the absolute winner as well which I've forgotten to mention is oh and I wasn't thinking this at the time which probably shows how buggered I was but um obviously I was raising money for charity had I had I quit on day two um then there's no story for me to get to the end there's no that's people stop sponsoring you then there's nothing to there's nothing to keep putting their hand in their pockets for and I wasn't that weirdly it wasn't my motivation to keep on to keep on going um however the fact that I did break down and then carried on going actually probably raised more money than had I got to the end and completed it all and done it easily and everyone's cheering and weeping and i've got my medal people want to see you suffer when they're handing over their cold hard
0: cash for charity they don't want it to be a breeze for you they want to see you sweat blood and tears yeah um i am interested like um i think you might have touched on it then but what did keep you going like what what was it what were you telling yourself what was the reason that you kept putting one foot in front of the other when things were really tough
1: the I, do you know i couldn't actually tell you on on day two i was so addled, i can't tell you what was keeping me i just knew i had to keep on going well that's the same as when i did did it the, the previous time um and the same with the 100 miler which i did finish i didn't want uh i didn't want to um it's probably not actually that good a trait but i didn't want i wanted someone else to make the decision for me i didn't want to be pulling the plug on it um I wanted to keep on, so long as I could keep on trying to move, I wanted to keep on trying to move. And then, Dragon's Back this year, it just so happened that keeping on trying to move meant that I recovered, and I could then, well, you keep on putting one foot in front of the other, and you manage to get some food in you, what looks like the absolute direst situation in the world, you keep on going. You can, You can, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you climb the mountain and you come down the other side. And actually, yeah, so that's basically the exact epitome of ultra running is hitting the walls, hitting the walls, hitting the walls. And as Reese, uh, when reese ran, ran, uh, ran around the coast path, he knows that when he hits that wall, he'll hit that wall. It might last five minutes. It might last a day, but he'll come through the other side of that and he'll be able to move again. And that was basically the realisation that I had when I was out there, which was, if you keep on going, you'll eventually be able to, yeah, finish. You'll get to the end, basically. I mean, the only time it really is over is if you do give up. That is where,
0: it, that's the only option. Yeah. you Keep grinding. Um, how important, I mean, what's your understanding of say mental resilience and how important do you feel it
1: was for a challenge like that? Um, for ultra running as a, Uh, ultra running is nothing to do with how fit you are I'd say I think the the 50 miler and well actually the 100 miler massively proved that for me I was in I was in no I could I could run a flat 50 miler relatively slowly eating eating all the way and chatting to people and being in a good place a hundred miler through the mountains is a completely different kettle of fish and not wanting to stop having somewhere you want to get to that's probably the key for mental resilience as well and and actually being starting optimistic and having good thoughts going through you so you increase your uh, sort of the positive chemicals that your brain's releasing you're probably all out of endorphins <laughs> within about 12 hours they, those all have gone but if you try and keep a positive spin on it you'll um you'll be able to keep on going but it's it's having that target having that aim that i think really brings the resilience out of it yeah and
0: I, I mean how how do you feel what do you feel the importance of challenges and targets and focuses in life how how do you feel that how important are they to life
1: for me personally they're they're massive um however i would say that the the ultra running um isn't 't a means to its end and it isn't a means to an end in itself for me it's more it enables me to do other things so it gives me confidence to carry on with the adventures that I do it gives me confidence to know that I can wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I can go and run for four hours with everything that I need on my back uh, if I get lost it doesn't matter because I know that I can I can run for another 25 miles I can run for another 30 miles and I'm not gonna keel over um, and that confidence, seeps into other parts of your life as well so I, I equate that confidence with happiness to a certain extent as well and mental well-being um if you're confident in an aspect of your life then that will just trickle into everything and all those little I, I like being like i said before i like being able to say yes to things even if it's stupid and i probably shouldn't be saying yes to it um it gives you the confidence to say well actually if i start small if i keep on going I will get to that. I might not be the best. I might not be winning any medals. However, I can do it. And saying yes to those things just opens up complete avenues of, of awesomeness. Basically. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, when, I, when I was doing my first ones, it's
0: you really get to know yourself, I think, as well. You you never meet this guy, This you, you know, the guy that you are that's put under all this enormous amounts of stress and pressure in day to day life. You will never meet that person. And I suppose these these challenges let you meet that person. It is a journey of sort of self reflection, I suppose, um, and you discover your, your true
1: strengths. It's, it's that's what I get from it. Is it? It's also a reset button. So the <laughs> and it's it's not just going to be an ultra running. It will be in all all sorts of other sports and other activities you can do, but. If you push yourself to absolute limits, all of the frivolities of life, say so the stress of paying a mortgage or getting the kids to school or worrying about who said what at, at whatever school party, all of that becomes like peripheral. You don't care about it anymore. All you care about is food, drink and shelter. And yeah. basically, and I think that's probably, I don't, I, I've never really thought about it. So that's probably one of the reasons I like it because... It's just a complete and utter reset. So you come back and you, one, you're not worried about those things. You realise what's important again. Um, and you can, you, yeah, you've got that absolute reset button. You can go again. That well of stress will fill up again. So you've got to keep on keep on waking up early and go running. And um, yeah, you'll, you'll reset everything. And I think it's, yeah. It's like, do you know what? I never thought about it like that.
0: I, I've always knew it was about, um, it gives you a chance to get away from all that crap. But wow. I never, I've never heard it like that. What it does, it 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 takes you back to basics. I yeah. I, I yeah I I think you're right in what you're saying. Have you heard of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Have you seen yes. the triangle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that at the pinnacle is like self actualization, isn't it? It's like your identity about who you are. And I think so many people are so concerned about how they portray themselves and who they are. You know, like with the social media that yes that's like the pinnacle of our needs yeah. but it's i don't know it's, it's been commoditized commoditized i can't even say the words but am i making sense does that make yeah, sense exactly. it's like, yeah it's... we're wasting so much time with that bit at the top um i almost see it like you see it in the news people are so arguing i mean look at politics now it's so polarized nowadays people are so fighting about nothing and all these different social issues or identity issues and stuff and i think it's because we live in such a civilized world that all these basic needs are just they're sorted we've got running water we've got food we've got roofs over our heads that we're just spending too much negative time at this top but what we really want to do is get back to basics you'll feel alive that's where you feel alive
1: the most. it, so. it, it, it that's it's, it's a reset button and it's yeah. not lost. it's not hiding i don't think in, in any way it's it's masking the stresses but well the amount of work things or whatever it is work problems or home problems or financial problems that you can just work out there's nothing else you can do so you can think or you can plug yourself into music either way you um yeah you work through it all and by the time you've finished you yeah you feel great or you jump in a barrel of freezing cold water and it does exactly (laughs) the same thing because all you want then is warmth shelter and uh yeah and your family hell yeah (laughs) yeah <laughs> you just want a hot shower yeah actually so have you got a long enough hose to fill fill your barrel up on the drive that is a very
0: personal question um <laughs> oh my, my garden hose right yeah uh yeah uh, i've got a big one. i've got a big old one
1: yeah so you don't need it in your back garden you can just leave it out the front and uh yeah but I, I live on the next council it. estate some boys some kids are going to drive past on their little east yeah no, even here. better even better that's, <laughs> the, that's the absolute that is that's resilience in a nutshell yeah (laughs) what doing my ice cold baths with with the local it's 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 the whole comfort zone thing as well yeah Uh, i'm not suggesting that you do do that however it's the it's the ultra running has massively thrust me outside of my comfort zone but that i relish and then uh, and it just means that you want to do everything yeah if someone says well we've got a window of six hours to go up a mountain well great once the kids are in bed I'll come we'll do it in the dark no worries we'll be back at 3am doesn't matter
0: yeah are, are there are points in your
1: life where you don't have anything lined up and, and if you don't does that affect you uh I don't currently have anything lined up um so but then this is the first time well well I suppose outside of lockdowns lockdowns you didn't have anything lined up and I just create stupid challenges to, to do however I'm still training so I'm still getting out every morning Slightly more relaxed about it now, so um, it's it's for less of a purpose. I'm not having to go and do, I don't know, a tempo five k or whatever around the local park. I can get out into the hills every morning, take it easy, and enjoy it. Uh, Weirdly, I've been missing the hill sprints, so I've stuck those back in as well um, because that's the surefire way to get endorphins and you get elevation. And I think getting elevation gives me great perspective, and I love being able to see the horizon. I love all of that which is why I love the mountains so no at the moment I have absolutely nothing in the diary nothing in the horizon nothing really bubbling away however I want to stay fit so that when 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 I have an idea or when something crops up I can just say yeah all right I can do it and then I might need to up the training for six weeks but I've got that base level of fitness to be ready to do whatever and I think even doing that means that no, I'm not worried about not having anything in the diary because you're keeping busy I'm keeping busy and if something comes up I can touch wood I can do it subject to injuries well I'm actually going to be moving up your
0: way um, around February for a couple of months wicked whereabouts are you going uh
1: right at the bottom of the Wennelt hill well that's the that's the perfect that is the perfect spot well I'll introduce you to all of those uh uh, that was basically my training ground is the ridge line up there and then above and beyond one of the yeah. pegasus routes as well yeah there's gorgeous tracks up there I'd, um basically my um
0: my mother-in-law lives there we're moving up we're having a bit of an extension on the house so we've got to get out of the house for a couple of months um wow. so we're going to move up there and live with her but it's really nice it, like you've got the Wenold woods you've got forest bar you've got garth Mountain.
1: Craig um, Er alt one of my favourite Instagrammable mountains in the Cardiff area as well. Which one? Craig Er it's called, which is behind uh, the one woods, basically. So um, the same side of the motor, uh, the same side of the A four seventy as the one aft, but behind, before you yeah. get to kind of Capilline and Gary. But Craig, take region, me out. Yeah, uh, there's absolute gems up there. Show me the site. Yeah. Now, we've
0: gone the whole podcast without actually mentioning that you are not a race director, right? <laughs>
1: I'm not. <You> are... <laughs> what, what was it? Director of Sustainability. Yeah, i or... self, self-proclaimed, so co-founder of a, of a race and us, informal ops director slash sustainability director. And what's the name? Uh, the, the name of the company is Dare to Run. Um, we haven't done the race for the last two years due to the, the joys of COVID. Hopefully we'll be able to bring it back this year. Um, however, it's basically, it's a looped uh, a looped five mile route around a, a local country park up in Dare Valley um, with a festival attached to it. But it's, it's sort of the brainchild of a mate of mine, Dean I mentioned earlier, who dragged me around a 50 miler um, uh, and myself. And it was, I was frustrated with the fact that all races seem to be disposable plastic cups and just plastic everywhere and people driving from all over the place and not particularly sustainable and that's not to say that I'm super good at recycling and doing everything but the amount of times that I'd be running on a race and people are just chucking their gels everywhere and well like a card of half and people are just chucking their bottles and all all of that sort of thing grated on me and Dean wanted to pull together a a looped event in Wales because they're they're all over everywhere he's run a few 24 hours in um uh in England but there was well actually I still think I don't know if there is one in Wales yet uh, apart from ours um, and he loved that he loved that format and he wanted to do his own one so we we came together uh and started that off in 2018 um which was awesome one of the, the, the best thing about it I, and I'd never thought about it because a five mile running five miles for it was only a 12 hour event but running a five mile loop uh, nearly a thousand foot of elevation on each loop um for 12 hours isn't my idea of fun however because i like to see as much as i can and and get further in terms of mental endurance training it's ridiculous but you could run it either as a solo or as part of a relay team and it made an absolutely incredible atmosphere and we had all sorts of people coming to coming to running it from established well from world-renowned athletes like um uh Jamie T, um, uh, Larry Morgan, uh, loads of people who are proper, proper athletes uh, coming and setting ridiculous times to people who had never run at all whatsoever before, who had just thought, I'm going to sign up and and, and see what's what. So we had um, a few people, a mate of mine turned up, the furthest he had run before. Uh, he used to play rugby when he was at school, so I think he stopped playing rugby when he was 18. He's now 38. Uh, so he hasn't done any sport for 20 years the furthest he'd run was 5k on a treadmill the night before um <laughs> that was that was his training he ended up doing 30 miles so an ultra distance with um uh, i was maybe it was 600 or so feet of climbing i think it was so a significant amount of climbing and that, i can't do the maths right now but a good few thousand meters of climbing chucked in there as well all on trail it took him it took him the full 12 hours to do uh, and he had a few pints at the halfway stage. And, and whenever he came back into the, he was it, it, absolutely incredible. My, my brother-in-law had never done anything like it, uh, ended up doing 50 miles. He's a, an old prop and built like a prop and was fully, I've never seen anyone so broken as him for the, for the last lap, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's done 50 miles on an absolutely killer course. Uh, and we had a, a chap who was nearing 70, who did his first ultra as well just as well as the ridiculous times and the people that ran 76 miles in 12 hours and and were were proper athletes you had everyone rubbing shoulders and it was just incredible to facilitate people encouraging people to get outside and sort of enjoy what I enjoy doing I think that's probably the biggest the biggest takeaway Uh, plus we became the first truly sustainable race at the same time but we didn't really market that that's really, it's, uh, it. Keeps people together, doesn't
0: it? That these these looped circuits. So, like the yeah. leaders will come round again. You'll see them again.
1: It yeah. keeps everyone together. There's going to be a better atmosphere, right? But well, it it means that you're basically rubbing shoulders with greatness, which is actually similar to the dragons back because you've got proper elite athletes on the start line, and you'll see them every day at least once when they run past you. But on a looped one, you see them every forty minutes. Yeah. Um, or, you're, or they're in the team next to you. So you're, they might be only running relays. Um, so you can go and have a coffee with them, whatever it is. And everything's just super accessible. And all the things that I, I, I well, I still feel it now. You, Like the imposter syndrome, turning up at a start line of a race is so intimidating. like Especially for an ultra race, because everyone's got all the gear. You've got hydration packs and vests and trainers and all oh, they've got Innovate shorts and Innovate top. Are they sponsored by Innovate? and all of, all of this stuff that go, certainly goes through my head, so it's probably going through other people's heads as well. An event like ours, you run one lap, and then you actually, you're chatting to these people for, for 12 hours, and all of a sudden, you're a part of it. And that's all it takes. Um, and it's so much more accessible. Like even the fell races that I, I did before I, I got into running slightly further, it's running clubs, it's serious people, um but they're all they're all absolutely lovely but you look at them and they're in their their vests with their name on and you're like oh god this is or wearing gb kit but they're yeah. the same as they're the same as you and i um but they are hugely inspirational because you learn learning from them is incredible and that was what we wanted to do and, and yeah. managed to with a massive a massive party at the end of it as well well I'll, I'll be there at the next one excellent well we will keep you all updated on that yeah. as you uh, you hoping for next year uh fingers crossed but we're looking to potentially change the location um uh and uh, looking at a slightly different format as well to make it not necessarily bigger but better because we want to keep it quite small and intimate because one it makes it easier to do um uh and two it just means the atmosphere is fantastic because it means that everyone does get to know each other uh talking about the sustainability there there
0: is one pet peeve of mine on races and it, it seems to happen all the time but They'll hand out plastic bottles, right? Of yeah, uh, water. And I, I'm gonna, I, I'll swear down now. Ninety-six percent of those runners will take two sips, and throw Sorry. it away. I feel it's such a waste. How have you tackled that? Uh, well, I was
1: just looking around it to see if I had one. Oh, I do have one of my cups. So we did. The initial idea was we're not, so we're not having any single-use plastics uh, whatsoever. So that was just banned, and we'd organised it like a festival. So we had um uh, like food stalls and coffee carts and stuff like that turning up and we told them as well and they were all using vegware which is which is really good but in my head i was like you're still it's still single use albeit it's compostable it's a whole heap better for the environment um so <laughs> my initial thought was these so uh we go. so this is nice. recycled british made uh made out of recycled steel um Keep cup basically. So this is from the original event three years ago, nearly four years ago. Now, uh, and you can keep that forever. So that's what people ha- at the bar. That's what people would have. You're not having a plastic cup. You'd get one of these. You can either put a deposit down on it and take it back, uh, or you can keep it, which is basically what what everyone did because they last forever and they're they're wicked. We forbade, or we told we basically told all the runners, you're going to have to carry your own water or your own cup. So we'll provide big bowsers of water at the at the water station. Um, but you're going to fill up you're going to fill up your cup there. We'll help you do it, or you can fill up your bottles on your on your chest. But the joys of it only being a five mile loop is you don't actually need to take that much water on on that loop. We did have two water stations. Um, but it was only the solo runners that are going around that didn't really have time to stop. Um, they were fine they were just either filling their cup up and having 250 mil of water every two and a half miles or they're filling up their 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 chest runs and and going you don't lose any time and yeah if you're running an elite half marathon or a marathon things might be slightly different but you could still have you could still have smaller versions of these just filled with water for people to grab from a um from a table and suck it down and there's if you look, there'll definitely be solutions for other other race companies and I think uh, I don't think we were necessarily breaking breaking ground and I, I wouldn't say we're big enough for other people to have cottoned on to, to what we were doing necessarily. but over the course of the last four years there's so many people doing things like that and not giving away plastic tat as, as medals and looking at sustainability in a different way. But you start as soon as you say to the, the athletes that are coming to race, right we're, we're a sustainable company we're not going to be giving away single use plastic we want you guys to be filling up yourselves everyone just goes great excellent you've, you've told us we can sort that out that's perfect and then that encouraged some of the um a, a few of the runners actually a girl called rachel who ended up i think she might have come second or third lady overall and probably fourth overall in in total uh did a litter pick while she was running around on a couple of the laps um so come the end of the race and i i i set up all the the course markings and took them all down so everything from that is fully recyclable as well so all of our signage and everything has been reused and will be used again Uh, however i was also doing a litter pick when i did that as well so there probably four or five of us that went out to do a litter pick i found one vegware cup and that was it and this is uh this is a a country park frequented by shed loads of locals and, and and the public and normally the bushes are filled with rubbish Uh, so we actually left it in a much better state than it was when we started which also filled me with pride as well but everyone kind of wants the same thing and if you make it easy for people to do the right thing then then they'll do it and there's no complaints and everyone's everyone's happy
0: yeah definitely I hear a
1: lot of people moaning about the medal
0: situation nowadays because a lot of people have stopped the medals haven't they yeah yeah um I don't know if you are aware of what rockman do so we do um embroidered patches instead yeah because yeah. uh, the idea behind that was uh, medals just get chucked to the back of a drawer you yeah. know you never see them again so what's the point but uh, our idea was that you know you can put it on your t-shirt and be reminded every time you put your t-shirt on of sort of what you've achieved
1: yeah well and that's and that's the ideal sustainability as well because if you think about it a medal is the ultimate single use yeah it might be made out of metal or would, but it does fill you with a certain sense of pride if you see it. However, I, every single one of the medals that I've ever picked up are, I don't know where they are. Don't know. <laughs> they're not hanging behind you, that's for sure. No, they're definitely not hanging behind me. They're not hanging behind you. That's for sure.
0: So, Ollie, I see?
1: think
0: we've reached the end of the podcast.
1: What's, what does the future hold? What does the future hold? For me, it's more of the same. I'd say, um, actually, completely, nothing more of the same. So, I get massive energy from helping other people get into sports like ultra running. Um, if I find something good that works for me, I love sharing it. So, I always try and make people go surfing or buy a barrel and go and sit in it in their garden. Yeah. Uh, and those tiny little things, I get massive, I, I love it. So, if someone says they've done something because I've, I've suggested it or they've got up early to go for a run because I've posted some twaddle on, on Instagram, then, then that gives me a massive boost. So I'll continue posting twaddle on Instagram uh, and I'll continue waking up early and, and running far is basically uh, is basically it. And I'm sure I'll think of some harebrained activity to do in the not too distant future. Actually, uh, speaking of biting off more than you can chew, which is what I've made a, um, an absolute meal of over pretty much my entire life. Um, uh, big move so I like, raising money for the the kind of charity I already mentioned uh they've got a massive fundraising drive next year for for mental health um and as a result of that I've pledged to raise £10,000 for them next year along with uh, a whole heap of other things they haven't launched this yet um as far as things that fill me with fear go that massively fills me with fear so I've done crazy events in the past and probably maybe over the past five five years or so managed to raise i don't know 10 to 15 grand so a a great amount and superbly proud of it and now i'm going to try and raise the same amount in a year and as far as i can work out i've 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 exhausted all stupid races that i could do um by biting off more than i could chew right at the outset so uh, in terms of galvanizing people to sponsor me to do stuff it's going to have to be properly harebrained hairbrained, but yet fits around family and work life as well so um yeah i'll I'll just be really tired i'll just be really tired for the next year yeah i bet
0: (laughs) i bet well obviously rockman will be here to support you in any of the challenges you do um so yeah
1: tap us up we'll we'll see what we can do we can see how I help. excellent well thank you very much indeed for having me on and uh yeah, well, good luck with getting in the barrel as well. I look forward to, uh, to seeing it. And I'll yeah. meet you next week too. Well, bloody week, a week tomorrow.
0: Perfect. A week tomorrow. I'm going to be nervous, like so anxious this whole week now. But yeah, okay, I'll do oh, it.
1: Go down the front. Get the barrel Get the barrel in your garden this weekend. Yeah. Get, in that on, get in that on Monday. And uh, that'll, that'll be your sort of soft entry. The barrel <laughs> will be colder than the sea. The barrel will be colder than the sea, don't worry. Will it? Yeah, definitely. The, really, the sea, the sea at the moment's like oh, I don't know 10, 10, 11 degrees. Your barrel will be less than that. Actually, the sea might be twelve degrees. Really, that yeah. seems quite warm. Yeah, well, it doesn't get cold until like February, March. Because the, 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 it doesn't matter what it is, it's going to be fucking cold. <laughs> it's going to feel it. It's going to feel it. If it's if it's windy, uh, then it'll be a bit cold on your head. You'll you'll be fine. I'll be the I'll be the one there that's shivering, going bollocks. Why have I asked them to do this?
0: I'll bring a hat. Yeah. Um, before I go though, if people want to follow you or they want to tr- sign up to um, Dare to Run, where can they go? What are they
1: doing? What What's happening? Uh, if they go to Dare to Run on um, social media, that's where they'll find all of our stuff. To be fair, due to the last couple of years, it hasn't been updated particularly frequently. However, um, give it a follow, and when when things start happening, um, you'll you'll be able to see it. Uh, and for for me personally, if you want to see what a middle aged man getting into a barrel looks like then um <laughs> to <it's> a <dad laughs> on, on insta and that's probably the best place to follow me bro i'll put all the links below as well so people can click directly
0: but ollie thank you very much brilliant chat Great, Great stuff. i'll see you, I'll see you next week terry i'll see you in the sea next week perfect i'll thank catch you please. soon so catch that's you, up. see ya